Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Our Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The grass withers and the flowers fall. And our New Testament reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph but before the, they came together, she was found to be, with, be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The Gospel of our Lord. Well, if you, uh, you know that uh, this is the season of Advent, the four Sundays uh, leading up to Christmas. It's a season of, of longing for Christ to come, and Christmas time is a season where we celebrate that he did come and that he will come again. So we're, we're entering a season of pleading with him, uh, and we, we kind of direct our prayers and, uh, uh, and our hopes through the the themes of these Advent candles, so we're preaching through those themes. Last week was the theme of hope, where Eric exhorted us to to keep on crying out, keep on talking to our God, because he will never stop working to bring about his purpose for you and for this world. Um, At least that's what I got out. That's my summary. I think there's a lot more there. This week is peace. This is the candle of peace, and so we're going to talk about what peace means 
And, uh, and we're going to look at it primarily through this story of Joseph. Matthew's story of, of Jesus coming into the world really focuses on Joseph. Luke's focuses on Mary. We're going to look at Joseph a little more today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, um, we need your, your light, even as these candles give off light and they sit in the middle of this room. We ask that you would be a light to us, that you would open our hearts uh, to your word and open your word to our hearts, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> One Christmas, a, uh, a number of years ago, um, Rachel and I were the only ones in my family who had kids at that time. So we went home uh, to Nashville to, to do Christmas with my family. And so we all pack in a really tiny room that's really crowded with furniture and people. And we had like our, I think we only had two at the time. Hank and Reese were kind of running in and out, breaking stuff and like getting into trouble in other rooms. But everybody else is there. And my family is not Italian, but we are uh, Irish Catholic, which means we are pretty loud. And so there's a lot of loud and a lot of boisterous people, a lot of yelling and like, we didn't see what you got, show us what you got. And so people are kind of like, and then it gets hot in there because there's so many people. And you got to have like Barbara Streisand singing Christmas carols in the background during that whole time. And so like temperature rises, right? And, 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 uh, and, and emotions kind of get on a hair trigger. And all during this time, the, the food for dinner is simmering in the kitchen, and most of it's been made, and it's this great, um, it's this really lovely dinner uh, that some of, uh, not me, others had put together. And, uh, but it was kind of an adult dinner, right? It probably contained mushrooms and onions or something. And so Rachel had put into the oven chicken fingers for our two kids. And so the chicken fingers are in there, the, everything's simmering. We're in, the, uh, we're, we're in the other room getting continually more frustrated and, and short-tempered. Uh, so we all kind of break that up, right? That's all done. We, uh, we're kind of all in different places, uh, making our way towards dinner. And my brother goes, passes through the kitchen. And he's smelling this delicious, nice food for the adults. But what he sees are the chicken fingers on the counter. And he decides to covertly eat two of them, and leave, which was half of the chicken fingers that existed. So we had to choose one of our kids to go hungry that night. I don't remember which did. But he kind of he shoves those in and leaves. And Rachel comes into the kitchen to kind of get the kids' plates ready to get them settled. And she's, "What? Where are the chicken fingers? Who ate the chicken fingers? Those were for the kids." And my brother was in a different room and heard this. You know, it was loud enough to hear that. And, uh, and he doesn't see me. Did I tell you we're all a little short-tempered? He doesn't see me, like, next, just around the corner. But my brother hears it and he goes, Wait, take your finger. <laughs> Which is funny that a 30-year-old man was mocking in that kind of, like, baby voice. But what's worse is that I came around the corner and proceeded to spend the next hour of my family Christmas convincing my brother how awful he was. Good job, me. Who's ready for family time? Christmas? You guys excited? As we think about those moments, I think what makes me so upset about them is the lack of peace. I wanted peace. Peace in my family Christmas, for goodness sake. And as we think about peace and the, the picture that's offered us, 
In Scripture, I'm going to use what we call in my family our, our family idols. Can everybody see this? It's just your typical Mary and Joseph in the manger. But I really think like that sets our standard for what do we want? What are we after here? And we hold this up, and then when we come into a family gathering in a tiny room that's really hot with Christmas carols playing loudly and you know uh, gifts being exchanged, then we get frustrated. Somebody ate my chicken fingers. And that doesn't, that's not part of this picture. I think what we have in this picture is, is a, a view of peace, that there's, there's quietness. Nobody's mad at each other. There's nearness. Mary and Joseph aren't like barely restraining, or restraining their anger towards one another. You know? People belong. They know where they fit. They know their job. They do it. And I think there's a lot of this that mocks me at a time of the year like, that, right, like right now. That mocks the peace that I long for in my family. So we can talk about uh, peace. And if you're newly at Covenant College, you'll think this, uh, like my definition is like inadequate because you just learned about shalom and all this stuff. Look, (laughs) peace, it's just the cessation of hostilities, okay? Let's keep it simple. (laughs) Nobody's mad at each other. We're going to go for that one today, all right? The ceasing of hostilities, people brought near and belonging, peace. And that's what we long for. But the question is, we look at this story, and and the, the person in that place, we are told, is called the Prince of Peace. The one who loves peace and has the power to bring it about. That's good news. What did it take to get him there? What I want to look at in this story is the process of peace. And this is what we'll find, is that our God mediates peace through mess because it's for the masses. He mediates his peace through the mess, right through the middle of it, through the mess, because it's for the masses, because nobody's left out of his story. And we look at, um, I said we're going to look at Joseph, uh, which was fun. Because we don't, Joseph doesn't get a lot of play. But as I looked at this first chapter of Matthew, it's really about Joseph. Even the um, even the genealogy, it walks through uh, it walks through Joseph's line. And so when the when the angel comes to him, he's he's planning to you know it says uh, Mary was found to be with child before they had really uh, consummated their marriage. Joseph knows this isn't my baby. So he's going to divorce her quietly because he's an upstanding man. The angel comes to him and she, and the angel says, Joseph, and here comes the real, the real kicker, son of David. And you, I mean, this is the move. Oh man. Cause the line of David is crazy. Like when she says son of David, you know, some stuff is about to go down because weird stuff happens to the sons of David. Weird stuff happens in the line of David. And it's all in this genealogy all the way back to Abraham. You've got Abraham and Isaac who are liars, who lied about their wives. That's not my wife, that's my sister. You can have her, just spare me. you got Jacob who is a deceiver, the younger son who lied to his father and tricked him into getting the blessing. 
out from under his older brother. You can keep going. You've got David. David, who before he was king was in the court of Saul, but Saul hated him and in his jealousy pursued David. What does David do? He runs to a neighboring kingdom and pretends he's crazy. I don't know what's worse, having to do that or being believed. We're like, yeah, that guy's pretty crazy. I, I, can, I buy that. I don't know what that says about you. If it's that easy, I don't know. Later, in his, when he's reigning, his son Absalom runs him out of Jerusalem and, and attempts a coup against him. And we can't forget what's actually mentioned here is that uh, he was an adulterer who committed murder to cover it up, but then it was publicly exposed and recorded for all time. Crazy stuff happens in the line of David. Crazy stuff happens when we're bringing about the Prince of Peace. I think it would be fascinating to walk through each of the women that Matthew purposely mentions in this genealogy. We're going to look at just one of them. Um, There's the one who is uh, in Jericho. She's an outsider, right? She's in Jericho. If you know her name, call it out. Rahab. You guys know the name of an outsider Gentile prostitute from like thousands of years ago. The Prince of Peace comes through the mess. Do you want to talk about an awkward family gathering? Where she shows up, she's the person who doesn't even speak the language, she's this outsider to God's people, and she's a prostitute. That girl stood in the corner at family gatherings. Nobody wanted anything to do with her. Our God brings about peace through the mess. He mediates it through the messy because anybody can come. Everybody belongs. That's one of the glories of Christianity. That in every other religion, every other philosophy, you've got to be smart enough. You've got to be moral enough. You've got to have like some kind of mental capacity that's high enough to understand the philosophy so that you can live by it. You've got to have a will that's strong enough to do all the right things so you can attain some level of goodness. Then you'll be accepted. But in Christianity, everybody gets to come, even murderers and outsiders who are prostitutes, even liars get to be patriarchs that bring about the Prince of Peace. I love that we know her name. Somebody needs to make a Christmas movie based on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Y'all know that story. Dr. Jekyll is like the respectable person in society. But he turns into Mr. Hyde who's like ruled by his appetites and basically a gigantic and strong toddler. I think it would be a great Christmas movie because that's what I am when I go home to Christmas. Do you guys know this experience? When If you've kind of moved out of the house, you're like on your way, you're either working or you're getting your education, you're coming to this place where you're thinking... I'm, a, I'm like, I like who I'm growing into. I'm changing. I'm not who I used to be. I don't have all these petty arguments anymore. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't live for stupid stuff. Like I'm, I kind of, 
I like who I'm becoming. And then you go home for Christmas. You know, and you become the kind of little brother who's going to fight for an hour about being right. I said it was about Rachel, but it wasn't. It was just because I wanted to be right. You become the kind of uh, brother, older brother, who, who ate the chicken fingers. Or you become the kind of person who's like 40 years old and can buy most anything you really want, but still gets upset that the present that you got wasn't any good. Are you serious? I do that. Like, I'm kind of bummed. This isn't what I wanted. It's ridiculous. Really good moms are known to scream at their children because she suspects they're disappointing their grandmother. Grandmothers, can we just make a call? Don't try and get the pictures this year. Let it go. Thank you. How about the candid shots? Can we do that? Let's go for candid this year. Spring a little peace. Grown men with like beards and jobs and everything are known to hide in the bathroom. Retreat. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We, we, do you know what that process is called biblically? It's called incarnation. It's called trying to fit in. It's fitting in. We want to come here and we feel so far away and we want to be near. We want to come where we fit. And so we're ready to lop off all these parts of ourselves so that we can squeeze into the old set of clothes we used to wear when we lived in that family. So we can squeeze into the bargain we used to make that I'm the kid who does everything right and never argues and keeps the peace, but I'm the sister who gets to be in charge and tell everybody what to do and I get my way. And we squeeze back into those roles even though we've begun to grow out of them. We lay aside parts of ourselves in order to come near, and that's called incarnation. It's coming near, and it's some kind of fake attempt at this peace where we get to be near, we get to belong, we get to have a place. But a lot of us, for a lot of us, um, some of us lay aside parts of ourselves and become that whiny toddler again. Others of us have a family uh, whose system is so broken that doesn't work anymore. There's been a massive betrayal or abuse. And this, uh, there's no such thing as this picture for you anymore. There's no place to fit. There's nothing you can give up in order to make this picture even remotely peaceful. And I want to say to all of us, like the typically crazy, but also the ones who are, who are broken, seemingly beyond repair, that that place is the garden that grows peace. Because our God mediates peace through the messy. Because it's for the masses. It's for everybody. God's peace, His nearness, His forgiveness, His acceptance always grows out of hopeless ground. Because in this manger is the Prince of Peace, the one who is 
devoted, far more devoted to peace and real peace than you ever have been. And powerful as the prince to bring it about. He's the prince of peace. And he came through this line, through this mess of murderers and adulterers and prostitutes and abuse and manipulation and deception. Because in, G- in Jesus, God has entered the mess and closed the gap. Closed the gap between us and himself. So we incarnate with our families by laying aside parts of us like our, <laughs> like our morals. Or parts of us like patience. Or parts of us, we lay aside all the wrong things to fit. But Christ, that we're told in Philippians 2, laid aside part of himself to come here. And that part was his right to glory. His right to be worshipped eternally at the right hand of the Father. And he laid it aside to come here. To draw near to begin this peace. That's incarnation. He laid aside his rights. To begin peace. But peace doesn't come just with nearness. We're told in Colossians 1. It's not enough that Jesus came. That he took on flesh. That he laid aside his glory. To come near to us. Colossians 1 tells us what, what, it, what it took. For God was pleased to have all his fullness. Dwell in Christ. All of God dwell in flesh. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, to bring everything near, to not let there be hostility between him and any person or any part of creation, to bring them all near, to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. He made peace so that everything could be brought near. How did he do it? Through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated, you were far away from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Jesus entered the mess not just of a crazy family line of David, but he entered the mess of death and death on a cross to bring peace to you and me. The angel says, that he would save his people from their sins. He would save us from the result of our sins. That is death. Death for us and death for all creation. You like that? I worked in the shalom thing after all. <clears throat> and there is no more accusation. There is no more accusation for you. That means anyone is welcome. No one is beyond the pale. Not even the person who seemingly permanently damaged your hopes for peace. His peace is mediated through the messy, and so it's for the masses. And now we have the call this Christmas, when you're about to go gather with your families, we've got the call to be mediating the peace because we've already received it. We're recipients of this peace. We're recipients of being brought near, of having a place, of being forgiven, of the dividing wall of hostility being broken down so that we could come to our Father. So like we said, we lay aside parts of ourselves so that we can fit in some family system. We incarnate in the wrong ways, and Christ is telling us, he's given us the opportunity to lay aside not our character or... uh, 
you know, or our place in the family, not the things that are good and right. But he's calling us, he's saying, you can lay aside your rights, your right to a quiet holiday. They don't exist. It doesn't, have, it doesn't work. Lay aside your right to have that. You're right for a peaceful family with no conflict. There's no such thing. It doesn't work. Put aside your right and your claim on that. Your right to well-behaved kids. Your right to get what you want for Christmas. Even your right to be part of a family. We're going to have to break. If to bring about peace, we have to break those bargains. Right? We've made a bargain that I am this person in this setting in my family, and that's what keeps peace in this system. But Christ is saying, that's not the system you belong to, and that's not where peace is found. I've given you peace. Go break those bargains. Don't be that person. You don't have to be that anymore. You get to be a son of the king living in that situation. You, have to, you get to be a daughter of the risen Lord living into that situation, and you don't have to keep the bargains anymore. So here's the challenge. Be quiet. For those of you who want to fit so badly, be quiet this season. And know that He is the Prince of Peace. He is devoted to peace. And He's strong enough to bring it about. Be quiet and watch it. Don't try and force it and manipulate it. Be quiet. And for those of us who have no place that we can even conceive of as peaceful surrounding our family, where it's so much brokenness, don't give up. The Son of God entered the most messy situation, the most messy family line to bring about peace. Here's the challenge for you as you live as a daughter or a son of the king in that broken family. Speak up. Be part of what's happening. When people stand up from the table to clear it off, sit there. Let somebody else do the dishes. And in hope that the person across from you is not beyond redemption, ask them a question. As we got ready for Thanksgiving, I was talking to Mark Richmond, and uh, I said, you know, could you pray for me? I just, I don't like who I've become around my family. I don't like it. I just, I would really appreciate prayer for this time. And he said, you know what, uh, I think just as a practical advice, which was great. Um, he said, we often assume we know the person across from us when we really don't. I want to encourage you to prepare questions like, hey, mom, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were like a little girl. Or who was your closest cousin? I, don't, I bet I'm, I may not have ever even met him. Ask questions as if you don't know that person. As if you haven't already written the script of their life. From here to eternity. Because you serve the Prince of Peace. Who mediates his peace through the mess. And he's not done working there. Father we pray as we steer into this season of time with family.
the season where so much of our brokenness is right before our eyes and where this picture of peace mocks us and taunts us. We ask that we would know you, the true Prince of Peace, and we would have hope that you would bring it about in the messiest places in our lives and in this world. Amen. Let's stand together and respond.